The journey begins, the adventure starts. Fasten your seatbelt so we can go. July 3rd, 1999, Palestrina, Italy. Nel Nome del Rock Festival. Sandman, Collie, and Conway go onto the stage as headliners in the second day of the festival. Three events will happen without them knowing. One, it would be the last time they would play together. Two, they would not finish the gig. And three, the group would disband the next day forever. Today we tell the mystic, enigmatic and fabulous history of Mark Sandman and his band Morphin. Good morning, day or evening, this is 1459. Welcome once again today with this new episode, number 8, which is titled You Look Like Rain, in which we'll comment the details of how a taxi driver with nothing to lose became ultimately a reference in the music of the 90s, and also history. They did not only create a music style, but multiple genres on themselves. So we start up the engine of the DeLorean and we set sail heading for the past. Let's go! When he was 18 years old, with a great passion for music and playing live, Mark Sandman was given two options. He rather looked for a real job, or he should leave the house. Without a doubt, Mark, the oldest of the four brothers, chose the second option and left. During months he worked in construction, was a fisherman in Alaska, and even for some time, he was a taxi driver. He worked many more hours than usual, so he had a small fortune working overtime, so he started traveling around. Mark's life was not really the easiest. Two of his brothers died, so that would affect his personality forever. Very shy towards everyone, writing many lines in his diaries with sentences that would end up being in his songs someday. It is when carrying a passenger when he was a taxi driver that the passenger robs him and stabs him across the chest. This is the starting point for Mark that once out of this fix, he devotes himself to music. He will look for a redemption path that takes him from the darkness of his life into the light. Boston in the 1980s was a musical oasis. Many musicians and many, many bands. It was the usual to be playing in five different bands and even sharing bands with the same people. There was a huge variety of music live shows to assist every day, and almost any day you could see someone you knew playing live. When Morphine is created in 1989, Mark Sandman was playing in seven bands. Sandman, Candy Bar, The Hypnosonics, Treater Orange, Supergroup, The Pale Brothers, but the main one was Treater Wright. In it, he played one guitar that, through a pedal, sounded like a bass. 
He also sang. With three albums in the market, Treehead Wright disappeared. Their blues rock sound was very simple, but as they claim, it was burnt, so Sandman was looking for a new type of sound. He decided to focus entirely on morphine. Morphine, opposite to what people believe, comes from the Greek god Morpheus. As he told many, many times, Morpheus was the Greek god of dreams and that was the general concept to start. We were dreaming, Morpheus appears in our dreams. We woke up and we started the band, because we are surrounded by messages that appear in our dreams. That's how Mark described it. Morphine's beginnings, with a live music scene as promising as the one in the early 90s, was a huge success. Every night they played, they could sell out 200 or 300 people clubs without even having a single Northern album in the market. In this time, the cassette exchange trade, customized with demos and half-finished songs, was the usual, but Morphine would only record for themselves. All the material, including long six-hour improvisations, they kept it for themselves so they could get musical phrases from them. Morphine is defined as a low-rock band, as it is a band that mixes many fields at the same time, but always with rock and jazz on top. Mark Sandman sings and also plays a special bass, it only has two strings with a fifth interval between them, so he can do chords easier. Not only that, but he plays with a slide, a small piece using his left hand, so notes are not divided by intervals, but they are continuous. Furthermore, Dana Kali would play different types of sax, even two at the same time, rarely. And finally, Jerome Dupre would be the drummer joining them, with patterns halfway across rock and jazz. Subtle, but filling the voids and complementing the boys bass sax combination within the band. Beyond that, the group would get lots of attention for having the same intensity as a rock band and the same delicate touch as a blues jazz band, having a totally unique style and without anyone being able to fully classify them. Not only the music would echo, but also the sentences, without being able to confirm it at 100%. Most of the stories told in the Morphine songs are autobiographical lessons by Mark Sandman through his life. Unique style, customized instruments, own identity. On the opposite side of what was trending by the time, like Nirvana, Alice in Chains or Pixies, Morphine wouldn't use any guitars, and nevertheless, they would end up as a reference in creativeness in all ways. To describe morphine music, imagine dark music, a rainy day, nostalgia, black and white day with low light, the soundtrack of an alcoholic detective overtaken by work, the soundtrack of people looking for redemption from darkness. Morphine would release their first album, Good, in 1992, a fresher breeze in the scene that would re-release the next year with the company Rykodisc. Here they are, most of the songs Morphine have been playing since the beginning three years before. The composition in this album would be very similar to the follow-up albums, long improvisations in the beginning, adding on tops and voice lines from Mark Diaries from when he was writing, ideas that came in through his mind. 
Not 100% accurate, but 100% authentic. The next year, the second album saying would come to life. You have your entire life to do the first album, but only just one year to do the second album. And so it was. Cure for Pain would be the quintessential album by Morphine. The same recipe, but more polished. They would have Billy Conway on the drum since then, as Jerome had health issues. With the band appearing in MTV, as well as in movies and series like The Sopranos, it was a much bigger hit than what it can seem today. By then, being on MTV even for a few seconds took your listeners to buy your records on the go. Morphine were in a sweet spot. While in their early tours, sometimes they would not gather more than 30 people in some distant unknown places, their tours would take up up to 9 months per year, intermittently. Now they were selling out 3,000 people venues without any trouble. Yes, their third album, although it had the same quality level as its predecessor, was not as brilliant. However, Morphine were more interested in playing live and touring, and the Jazz Tour would take them to Australia and New Zealand, as well as Europe and America. The fourth album brought some problems. Like Swimming, that its name, was created with much pressure from the new record label, DreamWorks, as they were looking for a hit. Mark Sandman was doubting that taking the original element of the group and its freshness away would take them to the spotlight sounding like everyone else. Mark always had very clear the vision for Morphine. How the lyrics were, the music, the purpose. He did not want anyone to alter the formula. So, even Like Swimming was the first album that had a Grammy-nominated video, and with heavier promo than any other album, it wasn't sounding as complete as the previous three. Mark would start composing the next album, The Night, clearly reconciling with his past, opening up more with his relatives and friends, rekindling family connections. As if the path Morphine were following was the traditional hero's journey, a monomyth. All his pain and frustration from the past opened up an incomparable creativity, including for the first time other non-conventional instruments in his music. Morphine would achieve to reinvent themselves without stopping being themselves. The album was recorded, but it was not mixed. So we arrive on July 3rd, 1999, Palestrina, Italy. Morphine just finished two days ago playing in a festival in Lisbon, and they are not used to the Mediterranean hit. Mark is learning a small text in Italian so he can pronounce it live on stage. They have been walking across the city, getting to know all about Italian culture and lifestyle. As headliners of the second day at Nel Nomadel Rock, they get on the stage ready for a 100% Morphine show. And during the first seven songs, all goes splendidly, despite the high ambient temperature. However, in the last song, Mark started playing out of tune and not following tempo with his bandmates. It is after presenting the eighth song of the night that Mark, after beginning, falls backwards to the floor. His two bandmates try to reanimate him, and the paramedics try to revive him. The ambulance takes him as fast as possible to the hospital. 
Mark had a sudden and fatal heart attack. His two bandmates, as they were not allowed in the hospital, remained in the parking. Destiny wants that the emergency room that day is visible from the outside, and against all odds, the curtains are open. It is there, with the absolute helplessness of being a night witness to it all, that the paramedics declare the death of Mark Sandman, being only 46. In a moment of terror and disbelief, they saw their friend and bandmate die in front of them. It is decided in that very moment that morphine ceases to exist, and the moment they step foot in the US, they will mix the album The Night as a post-mortem tribute to Mark. Actually, the album has an amazing welcoming, appreciating all the new details that Mark introduced in it. The band members would regroup later as a tribute band doing covers, such as Vapors of Morphine or Morphine Orchestra. All funds collected go directly to the Mark Sandman Music Project, a non-profit foundation that gives instrument and music lessons to the young people in Boston, so they can extend Mark's legacy and give the opportunity to everyone to follow their path in music and dedicate their lives to it. 1459 is a podcast for discovering certain events and people through history preventing them to be forgotten. Although you are listening to the English version, there is a version in Spanish of this same episode that you can find in Podbean or in any of the major social networks. Every week there will be a new episode, as well as an archive with all the previous episodes for free. Thank you for your time and for listening to 1459 Podcast. I have composed and produced all the music in the background specifically for this podcast to be properly set. This has been You Look Like Rain. Next week, we travel to Iceland. Until then, be good.